Um, a fantastic praise worship session there. Let's put our hands together again for Anna and the worship team. I could, I could hear the, the vocals loud and clear. It was very good. Well done. Well done. Um, so this morning, um, obviously we are missing a couple of people, um, but thanks for coming. And I want to encourage that we um, open our hearts and um, seek to hear the Lord speak to us um, this morning. And I believe he will. Amen. Um, Should we say a word of prayer before I start? Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you because your word is powerful, your word is active, and your word is life-changing. Lord, I pray this morning that as we look at the pages of the Holy Scriptures that your word will come alive. The Bible tells us that the flesh profits for nothing. It is the spirits that gives life. And the words that you speak to us, they are spirits and they are life. So we ask of you this morning that you will open our eyes of understanding. That we might see clearly what you are saying to us. And that our lives will not be the same again. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, you're welcome once again to our time together this morning. Um, this morning, I, I would like to um, preach, teach, instruct, you can choose whichever one, <laughs> from Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1, um, from verse 1 to 14, that will be our text this morning. Um, if you've got a Bible, can you just... Go there very quickly. Um, The technical guys are on it. Okay, is everyone there? Ephesians and chapter 1. I'll just read from 1 to 14. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, 
things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Amen. That's a long read. Um, and I'm just going to, you know, focus my teaching this morning on that portion of the Holy Scriptures. Okay, so um, the book of Ephesians is um, a book loaded with a lot of good things for the believer. It's, it's a book of riches, a book um, that is intended by God to um, reveal to us, to show us the depth of our blessedness as children of God. And I've, I've chosen to call today's message, Our Riches in Christ. Our Riches in Christ. You know, um, it's important that we know who we are. It's important that we know what we have. You know, and as a church, like I was saying to us last week, um, we are taking a step backwards. Um, we're slowing down with a view to deepen our relationship with God. We're taking a step back with a view to deepen our knowledge of him, who he is to us, what he's done for us, who we are in him, and all that we are in him. And so, this morning, I just want to, you know, jumpstart that whole idea by saying to us, or by showing us from this portion of scripture, what we have in Christ. It's important we know what we have, because if we do not know what we have, we cannot enjoy it. If we do not know what we have, we cannot live in the fullness of it. You know, the Bible says, I think in Psalms 40, or 60 and 49, I can't remember exactly. Now it says, the one who is in honor and does not know is like the beasts that perishes. You know, something happened to my boss in the course of the week. Um, one of our clients invited him to um, a cricket game at... Um, you know, the Trafford Cricket Ground, you know, and by the virtue of the, the access, the ticket he had, you know, he had access to this, you know, there's this upper room where people could sit, drink, and eat stuff. And so while he was there, you know, he just sat down, and he saw people drinking and, you know, helping themselves with all sorts, and he was just sat down there, you know, and, um, you know, my boss is an accountant to the core. He will not spend anything except, of course, he can justify. So in his mind, he was like, well... <laughs> This is an invite. I didn't come here by myself, so I'm not going to spend, you know, out of the ordinary and all of that. So he was thinking to himself, what's up? You know, are these things free? Are these things to be paid for? So he didn't want to be too quick, you know. And then suddenly he made, you know, the boldness to 
to ask the question and unknown to him, the access he had actually came with a drink. So he could drink as many, he could eat as much without having to pay a penny. And then that was a libration for him. So he, he helped himself to quite a bit and um, he drank a lot, okay? <laughs> you know, so I just said that to say that it could have been there. Other people who knew the privileges that came with the access they had went on. They just cracked on, you know, drinking and eating and enjoying themselves and joined. Oh, that was a good run. Take one small chop. Oh, that was a good run. Ah, that's what a pint, <laughs> you know. And they were just going on and on. But he was sat there, not wanting to be too quick because, you know, you don't want to find yourself having taken so much drink. I said, this is your bill. And you're like, what? You know, and in the same way as believers, we cannot enjoy the life we have in God if we do not know what we have. And so this morning, I'm going to look at this portion of scripture from, you know, just from three angles or three headings. Number one, chosen by the Father. Um, We see that in verse three to six. And then redeemed by the Son and sealed by the Spirit. I'll take that again. Chosen by the Father, redeemed by the Son, and sealed by the Spirit. And before I go into those specifics, I just want to you know, make a start from verses 1 and 2. So if you go back to the portion of Scripture, uh, let's just have a look at verses 1 and 2 very quickly. Um, so it starts by saying, Paul, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. So the first word there, which I believe again is helpful for us to understand the context of Ephesians, to have an idea of who the man Paul was. Paul was a Jew, you know, and also had a Roman citizenship, so he had dual citizenship. He was a Pharisee, you know, he was well schooled in the laws of the Jews. Um, and because he was a Pharisee and he knew the law, he, he was so fanatical about the law that he was persecuting believers. He was persecuting Christians. And on one of those occasions in Acts chapter 9, while he was on his way to Damascus to you know, imprison some more believers, Jesus met him on the way and that led to his conversion. Now he became a Christian and Jesus right there in that encounter gave him an assignment, gave him a, a job to do, called him to be an apostle. And so Paul here says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. So the word apostle just means the sent one. So in other words, Jesus called him and sent him with the gospel. And that is what we see him do in all those epistles and letters I wrote, just stating clearly what the gospel of Jesus is about. You know, and you know, in the ancient time, it's customary, you know, to write, to put the name of whoever is writing a letter at the beginning, unlike today when we put it at the end. And so that gives the way that this book was written by the man Paul, and he calls himself an apostle. Then he goes on to say, "I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. I'm not an apostle by my will. I'm not an apostle by someone else's will. I am an apostle by the will of God. And right there, Paul, even though he's introducing his letter, you know, suggests to us a very fantastic, fantastic truth in the Christian faith. And that is the fact that none of us can be anything 
all just by his will. Whatever position, whatever role, whatever callings we have, whatever part we occupy in the body of Christ is not a function of our will. It is the will of the Father. It is the law that calls. It is the law that puts us where we are. It is the law that determines our role in his mission. And Paul says, I am an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. And then he says to the saints who are in Ephesus, I'm faithful in Christ Jesus. And so the, the other word we see that very quickly, the word saints. You know, it, it's, it's very common in the early church to refer to every believer as saints. You know, the word saint as used here is not just talking about some old and dead Christians, you know, who after many years have been dead, you know, sainthood is conferred on them. But here, Paul is referring to everyone who has expressed faith in Christ Jesus. So, again, this shows us something clearly. Even though he was writing introduction, he was right away putting in some very deep biblical truth. And that's the fact that for as many of us who have believed in Jesus, we are saints. The word saint means set apart. It's from the word sanctify. It means people who have been made holy, people who have been washed and set apart to God. And so the, I can, if I follow the cue of Bible and Paul, I can readily say Saint Lydia or Saint um, Sharon or Saint Derek or something like that. Uh, Saint Paul is going to youth, you know. And so we are saints. Why? Because we have been worshipped. Okay. And then he, alongside with that, he says, "And faithful in Christ Jesus." The word "faithful" here is used in the sense of again believers, people who are saints who are believers in Christ Jesus. So we know that this letter was written by Paul. It was written to people who have expressed faith in Christ Jesus. So even though it was written to people in Ephesus, okay, we know that under the inspiration of God, while God was writing this scripture, he had believers in mind. And so it's applicable to us, and that's why we want to have a look at it this morning. And so if you look at verse 2, It says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, he continues his greeting and he says, grace and peace to you. If you look at the letters of Paul, you'll find this expression, grace and peace to you, a lot of times. It's a form of greeting. But again, even though Paul was greeting, he was also throwing out some, you know, fantastic truth. He was saying, see... You know, it's a prayerful greeting. He was praying for them. At the same time, he was reminding them what they have. He was saying, see, you are the grace of the Lord, and I'm praying that you will know more of that grace. Essentially, that's what he's saying. He's saying, you are blessed. He's saying, see, you are the grace of God. The favor of the Lord is upon you. He was saying, you have the peace of God. You are people of peace. You have peace because you have received grace. There is unity. There is accord between you and God. God is no longer angry with you, so you are the people of peace. It's, it's like, don't forget Paul, like I said, is a Jew. And in the Hebrew, they would rather use shalom. 
And so Paul is using, you know, the Greek equivalent to say, you are grace people and the peace of God is on you. And that peace is not just talking about, you know, um, an absence of war. It's not just talking about, you know, a calmness, but it's talking about a, a complete well-being prosperity blessing and so even in Paul's greeting he says grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ and so I just want to go into the first heading right now just to give us a bit of introduction into that and so if we go to the first heading which is chosen by the Father we, we pick on that from verse 3. From verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And so, the first thing you see there is, Blessed be God. What does that mean? Paul is saying, God is to be praised. Is the word to mean to eulogize, to, to speak well of someone. And so Paul straight away springs into praise here and he tells us why he is blessing God. Look at the word bless used in two ways there. Number one is used in relation to, from us to God. And then he's used in relation from God to us. Now when we bless God, what we're doing is we're praising him. We are declaring his goodness. We are speaking well of him. When he blesses us, he's doing good to us. Does that make sense? And Paul is saying, see, I praise God, I bless God for the blessing he has given us. Look at that. It says, blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. Please turn to the person beside you and say, you are blessed. Now that's, that's the point. Don't forget the message is our riches in Christ Jesus. And, and Paul is going to launch into beginning to tell us about our riches. But then he, he starts by praising God. He said, praise be to God. Blessed be to God who has blessed us. You see, the reason why we can bless him is because he first blessed us. Don't, don't you see that, that idea in scripture? The reason we love him is because he first loved us. The reason we give to him is because he first gave to us. And so Paul gives us that idea. It's a blessed be God and Father of our Lord who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Now the, first, the next thing I want you to see in that verse is the expression has blessed. Has blessed. is in the past tense. It's telling us something that has happened. It's telling us something that has been done. It's saying, I want you to, you know, just like my boss that just gave an example, the bill has been paid. So enjoy it. Now it's not it will be paid. It has been paid. You've been handed the past. Now once you enter into that room, you have access to all the you know bounties in that room. Paul says here, he has blessed us. And then he goes on and he says, in Christ. So Paul is saying to us, don't forget the introduction, he's writing to 
faithful saints in Christ Jesus. And Paul is pointing their attention to the fact that you have been blessed and this blessing that you have received of the Father is because you are in Christ the Son. And so because you are a believer, there are certain things that accrue to you. There are certain things that belong to you. Why? Because you are in Christ. And it says every spiritual blessing. I love that. In other words, there is nothing that the Father has withheld. There is nothing that heaven has that has not been given. So Paul is saying, I praise God who has blessed us in Christ with everything heaven has to offer. Now that's, that's actually one translation. It says God has blessed us with all that heaven has to offer. That's amazing. And it's all in Christ Jesus. Look at verse 4. It says, even as he chose us, and that is the cross of this first point, chosen by the Father. Paul, in trying to reveal to us our blessedness, make us realize that, see, the Father, the maker of heaven and earth, chose you. It says, even as he chose us in him, before the foundation of the world that we should be holy blameless before him you see it gives us a picture number one he chose us you know Jesus said it in John 15 and verse 16 you have not chosen me I chose you you see before we at a choice before we're in a position to make any choosing Bible says to us here that the reason why we are so blessed is because the Father actually chose us. When? He says before the foundation of the world. Before the world began. Before Adam sinned. The Bible tells us that the Lamb of God has been slain. Jesus has been crucified, as it were, from the foundation of the world. In other words, our salvation, our calling to blessing wasn't God's afterthought. It wasn't a damage control measure. It wasn't a new jack reaction. It wasn't God saying, oh wow, this Adam guy has just spoiled everything. So what are we going to do now? Okay, um, Jesus, what are you doing now? Uh, I'm just giving some instructions to the angels. Well, you're going to have to drop that now because we have an emergency. Now you have to go on earth and die. No. Bible says that he chose us before the foundation of the world. Look at verse 5. It says, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. So Paul presses in into the whole idea. He says, see, God predestined us is aligned with the word chose. So he's saying he chose us before the foundation of the world. And then he says he predestined us. You know, the word predestined is a word that means 
to predetermine a destination. In other words, before something happens, you decide in advance. So, Bible says that God determined before the world began to adopt us as sons. Predetermined destiny. In other words, before you and I came on the scene, God already had us in mind and he already sought out everything concerning us. Look at that word adoption. It says the mind of God was to adopt us as sons. How? Through Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus is the only son of God. The Bible is clear about that. John 3.16 is a go-to scripture. It's a for God so loved that he gave his only son. So in a sense, Jesus is God's unique son. And so if God was to get more sons into his family is got to be by adoption. That's the idea of the word adoption here. When naturally not part of the family, but he adopted us as sons. And without the ladies feeling left out, the word son here is neutral in the context of the culture. So it's not so much of saying male or female, but it is it connotes inheritance. Okay, and so I can boldly say that he decided to adopt us as sons and daughters through Christ Jesus. And then he tells us why. He says it was according to the purpose of his will. In other words, it wasn't anything about us. It wasn't anything we could do or would not be able to do. It was his good pleasure. It was his will. It wasn't under coercion. It wasn't under any um, pressure. It was his will. And verse 6 says, To the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. So what Paul is saying here is this. The purpose of God in choosing us is to excite thanksgiving for his glorious and amazing grace. In other words, the purpose or the reason for this choosing was nothing in us. It was his decision and that decision to choose us was to make his grace abundant. So that thanksgiving can flow from us. And that was how Paul started in verse 3. He started by praising God. Because he has come to see this truth. About how the father from eternity past chose us. And so in declaring it to the Christians in Ephesus. And now to us. He could not but start by thanksgiving. And it says, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Now, if you have a, a different translation, I will probably dis, um, express this as the son or the one whom he loved. 
And again, it, it gives us that picture that there is the beloved, which is always Christ Jesus, and it is in him, the beloved one. You remember when Jesus was baptized, and as he was coming out of the water, the Bible says the heaven opened, and the Spirit of God came on him as a dove, and a voice came from heaven. This is my beloved son. This is the son of my love. Now, Bible is saying here that in that son whom the father loves, we have been blessed. Again, shows us the location of our blessing. I dare say to us that the blessing of God is not anywhere else but in Christ. So if you are in Christ, you have the blessing. If you are outside of Christ, you are outside of the perimeter of God's blessing. The way God blesses is through the Son. And so the, the, to round off this point is to say that the Father chose you. If you want to know how wealthy or how blessed you are, think about the fact that before the foundation of the world, the God of heaven and earth had me in mind. And he chose me. I'm not just an individual roaming about the streets of Greater Manchester without any security, insurance, or worth. I am the son of the Most High. I am the daughter of the Most High. Number two, redeemed by the son. And so that the first one almost speaks about our past. And then, redeemed by the Son, our presence. Look at verse 7. It says, in him, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. It says in verse 8, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. Let's look at that word. You know, you see that expression in him again. In him, in who? Hello? In him, in who? In Christ Jesus. So you see that expression recurring again. In Christ Jesus, it says in him, we have redemption. Now that word redemption is the word that means to set free by the payment of a ransom. And the picture here. The contest of writing by Paul, you know, was that of, you know, a slave market. You know, in that culture, they bought and sold slaves. And so, you know, someone could actually go to a slave market to purchase a slave, either to use or to set the slave free. And so, Paul uses that analogy to describe the fact that we were lost in bondage in the slave market of sin. But the Father, through the Son, and in the Son, we were redeemed. That is, we were bought out of the slave market of sin for freedom. You know, sometimes people could be owing another person and in return for the debt being owed, taken into slavery. And then a king's man redeemer, a, a, a brother can go and say, I want to buy your freedom. And so he goes, pays the price 
to get the person out of the slave market. This is the picture. Bible is saying, Paul says here, you and I have been bought out of the slave market of sin from the dominion, from the power, from the tyranny of the devil and we have been set free. He says, his blood. Our redemption happened by the blood of Jesus. See, there is always a price for that release. And Paul is saying the price for our release was the blood of Jesus. It was the blood that paid the price. And when the Bible uses the word blood here, it speaks not so much of the red thing, but so much of the life of Jesus. By the death of Jesus, by the sacrifice of Jesus, we have been redeemed. And then he says, which is the forgiveness of our sins? You see, the act is redemption. The price is the blood. The result is forgiveness. Do you get that? So the whole scenario, the whole transaction is called redemption. The price that was paid for it was the sacrifice of son and the result and the fed was that our sins were forgiven. The penalty of sin that was hanging on our head, you know, you know so to say, heading towards eternal destruction was taken away. And so, we are free. And he says this is according to the riches of his grace. His grace is rich in supply. It's so inexhaustible. And he says he lavished this on us. The word lavish, I love the word lavish there because it gives a picture that God did not spare any expense in buying our redemption. He lavished his grace. He poured it out on us generously, extravagantly. That's the word used there. He lavished on us his grace. Redeemed by the son. That's the point. If you were to know the worth of anything, you consider the price tag. Yeah? And so, if you are thinking about how valuable, how dear, how rare, how peculiar you are as an individual, think about the price. Stay with me. Amen? Think about the price that was paid for you. And Paul here, in exposing to us what we are worth and our riches, says the price tag on us is the blood of Jesus. Peter describes this as the precious blood of Jesus. And he says it is more precious than gold and silver that perishes. Precious blood. Maybe you're here, you're, 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 you're suffering from any kind of low self-esteem. I want to challenge you and encourage you this morning that you're precious. You're precious. And then it goes on, verse 9, it says... I mean, this is Paul going on and not to reveal to us our riches. He says, he's made known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which is set forth in Christ Jesus. 
as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Now Paul is saying alongside with redemption, forgiveness and all that, God has also given us wisdom. Are you at a crossroad and you feel, oh, I'm foolish, I'm not, I'm stupid, I don't know what to do? Now Paul says that the part of what comes because you are in Christ is that God actually gave you wisdom. Wisdom, Sophia, understanding in spiritual matters. And then he says insight and the practicalities of that wisdom. So he's given us wisdom and insight. And then he says, and he's given us wisdom and insight to know the mystery of his will. The word mystery, you know, suggests something that is hidden, that is not known except to the people that are initiated, except to the people that it's made known to. And so Paul is saying here that one of the riches that we have is that God has let us in into his Eden agenda, into his Eden secret. He has revealed to us his plans from all the ages. Verses 11 and 12 very quickly says, In him we have obtained an inheritance. Again, you see what I mean when I said it's, it's just, Paul is just rolling it out. Just telling us all that we have in God. He says in him we have obtained an inheritance. He says, having been predestined, that's the word again, according to the purpose of God, who works all things after his will, so that we who were forced to trust in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. So this is all we've been describing, guys. The father of his own will chose us from beginning to give us everything he has. And through the son's death, we have, been, we have obtained all of that. Think about a will, for example. So the father decided from eternity past to bless us, to choose us, to give us everything he had. Now the son came to make that possible by his death. And this is a picture. When a man writes a will, when does the will go to effect? After his death. And so this is the picture that the father willed everything is God to the believer. But then the son, being the image of the father, died to ratify the will. In other words, when the son died, the will came into effect. So by the death of the son, the will comes to you. Interesting thought. So it says we have obtained, look at our, that tense again. We have obtained the inheritance. We have been blessed. And then I'll just move quickly to, you know, the last bit, which is sealed by the Holy Spirit. See it by the Holy Spirit. You know, sometimes we could think that, you know, a while ago when we're looking at, you know, um, the death and resurrection of Jesus and we're trying to describe how people view the death of Jesus. And one of the options we consider was that some people consider it as a cosmic child abuse. That how could a father so neglect his son or so bruise his son? 
And we realized that, no, 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 it wasn't just the father. It was in partnership with the son. In other words, it wasn't that God forced the son to come on earth to do the work. It was that the son himself loves us and he did it of his own will. And so, in this portion of scripture, we see the father involved in the whole blessing plan. We see the son involved in this whole blessing plan. And now, the Holy Spirit is involved in the whole blessing plan. Let's look at the last bit. Sealed by the Spirit. Look at verse 13. It says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now, if you look at our expression, you also, and you cast your mind back to how we started, Paul is writing as a Jew. And Paul is describing all the blessedness he and the rest of the Jews have come to because they have believed in Jesus. And he's saying, you also, Gentiles, that is, people that are non-Jews, when you believed, you were also sealed with the Holy Spirit. You see, salvation came to the Jews first. The Bible tells us that in John chapter 1, Jesus was a Jew, so he came to his own people. They were the first to hear the gospel from the Old Testament time. They had a relationship with Jehovah. Now, he made a promise to them. That promise in the person of Jesus came at the time God determined it to come. And Paul is saying to us Gentiles who had no Jewish lineage to say, you also... That's my alarm, so I'm supposed to round off. Now, stay with me. Just give me a few more minutes. So, Paul says here that you also, when you believed and heard the gospel, you came into this blessing. Have you ever been in a state of mind where you feel it's happening for everyone and I'm isolated and it's not happening to me? Have you been in that thought life where you think, I wish I can be in the royal family and I can marry, you know, when I first came to the UK, I was shocked at how much every single lady in the UK wanted to marry Harry. There could be that sense of exclusion, but Paul says here that we have been brought in. We are part of the family. We have access to the inheritance. Praise God. It says we have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. Let me touch on this idea of seal very quickly. It says the seal of the Holy Spirit. Now the seal, as you say, is a picture of a stamp, basically. So the seal was attached to a letter or a legal document to a authenticated to the world. So in other words, when you believed, the Holy Spirit came on the scene and said, this is God's son. There's a mark of royalty. There's, there's an access that said, well, this is a royal or this is royalty and he has access. Anywhere he wants to go around there, he can go. He has access to the blessings. He has access to all the inheritance. The Bible says the Holy Spirit's work in all of these is that he stamped us with that stamp of approval and said, this belong to God. This is part of the family. This is an heir of the kingdom. 
And then the last statement made there is that, verse 14, who is the guarantee of our inheritance? So Paul is also describing something. He says, when the Holy Spirit stamps you, what effectively happened was that number one, he approved you, authenticates you, and says, yeah, that's the Son of God. And then he became the guarantee that you will receive all the blessings of God. That's why I say it. The word guarantee here is the word down payment or deposit. You know, like when you go to a shop and you saw something you really liked, and maybe there's no enough money on you, maybe because you just saw it by the way, and then you put a deposit down to say, well, this is mine, I'm going to come back to claim it. Now, the Bible says that the fullness of all our blessings is not yet come. When Christ will come, we're going to enter into the fullness of all he has saved us into. But in the meantime, there is a guarantee that you will receive the full payment. And that's the Holy Spirit. In conclusion... Let's just have a look at some of the words we have thrown around this morning. Very quickly, let's just have a look. We see the word grace, favored. We see the word peace, forgiveness, wisdom, insight, redemption, inheritance, adoption, sonship, daughtership, sainthood, approval, security, the blessings of God, we can go on and on. Amen. What is the implication of all this? Implication, last slide. What are the implications? If you did not get anything I've said, please get this. Number one, we are not an after and afterthought. I don't know how else to say this, but I want you to know that you are not an afterthought. You, you are not insignificant, you are not a non-entity. You are not an afterthought. The God of the universe thought about you from the foundation of the world. Number two, our past, present, and future are sorted. Did you get that sense from everything we've read? From the past, the Father was at work. In time, the Son came and did something. The Holy Spirit has secured tomorrow. Now, if you did that for your salvation, I want to encourage that for everything you go through in life, be assured that your past, present, and future are sorted. Three, we have been blessed with everything heaven has to offer. If he gave his son, then there is nothing that he will be told from you. And then what is the last thing? We can raise our heads high. Amen. Let's stand together as we close. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Ross, do you mind getting on the keyboard and just, just play something? What's, what should our response be? Verse 3, blessed be God. I want you to just go ahead and give some words of thanks to God this morning. Just thank him. Just thank him for all that he has done. Thank him for all the blessings that he's poured out on us. Thank him 
for the fact that your life is secured in his hands. Thank him. Because even where you were unaware, he had plans for you. And you know what? That plan has not changed. The plans he has for you, they are good plans, not evil plans. They are plans to bless you, not to hurt you. They are plans to give you a hope and a future. We are blessed. We are not destitute. We are not disadvantaged. We are not orphans. We are sons and daughters of the Most High. We are royalty. We are riches in God. All things are ours because we are in Christ Jesus. Bless him this morning. Come on, go ahead. Give him thanks. Think about what you're going through. Think about the challenges and say to yourself, I am blessed. I am blessed. I am blessed because I am in Christ Jesus. I'm a heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus. Thank you, Father. Lift your hands and worship it. Sing him a new song from your heart. Express yourself the way you can. Be grateful. Be thankful. Because of what Jesus has done. Is anything occurring to you in terms of what we sing? Go ahead, sing it, brother. Let's worship together with our song. Christ yes, God. is enough for me. Thank you, Lord. Christ. 